In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us Most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Immaculate heart of Mary, pray for us. Patriarch Holy Moses, pray for us. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We can do that, right? Yes. Oh, okay. okay. He's, he's, he's up there somewhere. If it, let's put it this way. If he's not up there, we're in big trouble. Um, <laughs> brothers, in Exodus chapter 33... Moses went up a mountain and had an encounter with God. Now for him to get to that point where he would go up to this mountain and for 40 days contemplate God with the people of Israel already on the other side of the Red Sea, trust me, Moses had gone through a lot. We go through a lot. Um, we go through many things and perhaps we don't respond or react with the same holiness or the same grace as we read in the scriptures. Um, and, and the Lord in his goodness gives us always another opportunity. I remember speaking to a youth group in, in Brooklyn and these are, these are street kids, you know, I was just asking one of them. So like, you know, what's the Lord doing in your life? What's, what's the Lord saying to you? What's the word that he's speaking to you? And this, this young girl who had a past, her, her parents, when she was a little girl, made her sell drugs. I later found out that she was sexually abused from the time that she was four or five years old. Uh, she was struggling with... Um, endometriosis and, and unable to conceive children in her, in her uh, marriage now. All this stuff, I didn't know that at the time, but I just remember her saying, what's the word of God? That he's the God of second chances. He's the God of second chances. When one day I was in front of an abortion clinic, and it was soon after some reports had come out about some priests. I had never in my life imagined that I would have been called the stuff I was called that Saturday morning. When somebody looks at you and yells out to you, rapist, you, you, what, you, what are you doing to little boys? I boiled over with anger and I did not respond in a very holy way brothers I yelled right back true to ghetto form you you don't know me you don't know me how dare you furthermore say that you don't know you don't know how many people I've picked up from exactly what you said and the cop who was right there seeing everything was just nodding I'm like, only in New York, only in New York. <laughs> but brothers, dare I say that there is glory here 
to be seen, there is glory to ponder. And on this Sunday, brothers, it is a good day to contemplate God's glory. What is glory? There's a deep biblical tradition of glory. Um, they, uh, in Hebrew, it's kabod. In Greek, it's doxa. And this kabod and doxa is such an, it's so intertwined in the way that we worship, but we need to become more intentional in worshiping with this glory in mind. I did not realize, so I grew up in Texas, and we don't really have um, Jewish people there. In New York, you definitely do. Um, and when somebody told me that it's a Jewish name, Ik Kabod, um, it made me read that whole story of Sleepy Hollow, the uh, Headless Horseman, what's, what's it called? The Legend of Sleepy Hollow in a whole different way. Are you guys familiar with this? Okay, so real quick. It's told around this time of year, around Halloween. Sleepy Hollow is not too far from the seminary. Um, and and Washington Irving is a is a uh, American author who wrote about this Ichabod Crane, who was lanky and awkward, and, and who the the beautiful young lady uh, of the town began to get enamored by. Well, the big old macho guy, you know, didn't like it, kind of wanted to pick a fight. And then one day, when Ichabod Crane is walking home, this headless horseman comes and basically kills. Ichabod Crane. Now it's turned into a legend. It's turned into a legend, but now I read it as anti-Semitism, you know, in, in early American history. Now, all that being said, um, his name meant the glory of God. Ich Kabod. This Kabod, this, this glory you see definitely in, in Ezekiel, when the glory of God departed from the temple. Oh, the glory of God departing from the temple. Why? Because people had ceased to worship correctly. The right worship and glory in the Old Testament are part and parcel. Right worship and glory are part and parcel. They go together. Um, and so when Moses in Exodus 33 said, show me your glory. Harkens to when Jesus was on not a mountain but a hill of Gethsemane and said, Glorify your name. Glorify your name, Lord God, when he was about to enter into his passion. Uh, Saint Francis, I've got to bring Saint Francis in again. Saint Francis, for me, he gives me hope. Sometimes these scriptural figures can seem kind of really daunting and unapproachable. St. Francis, I mean, like, if he could do it, you know, like, it's possible for us. In fact, that's exactly what he says. In one of his most famous quotes, he says, I have been all things unholy. If God can work through me, he can work through anyone. Now, if that does not give you great hope, I don't know what will. If God, and, and I believe that for myself. I believe that if God can work through me, he can work through anyone. Brothers, if God can call me to be a priest, 
then it's possible for you to be called the priest as well. If God can, can make the, 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 the sacred species present through me, if God can, can he heal and forgive sins through me, excuse me, then he can do it through any man. You have to be a man to be a priest. Very important. He can do this. Um, when St. Francis went up a mountain, Mount Alverna, he contemplated the crucified Lord, the place of glory, the true mountain of transfiguration, brothers, is Calvary, where the Lord showed his glory from the cross. Von Balthasar, uh, a difficult to understand theologian, said, through the pierced side of Christ, we contemplate the most holy trinity. In Christ showing us his agape love on the cross, we can peer into the pierced side of Christ. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course, because if I was reading, you wouldn't understand anything. I don't understand anybody. Like, what did he say? You guys ever read, try to read Balthazar? It's just like, let me try for the 20th time to read the same paragraph to see if I get it now. Anyway. Peering through the pure sight of Christ, we see a love, the love that unites the most holy trinity, the love that goes forth, this desirous love of unity. And von Balthasar would say this is properly speaking called not agape love, but eros. What is the love that unites the most holy trinity? He says, eros, which is all the more reason why we need to recover its truest sense. We need to restore and renew what it, love is really meant to be because if this is the love within the most holy trinity, if this is the love that emanates forth, is if this is the love that, that in its glory shines upon us through an agapine, fulling, giving, self-sacrificing love, then we need to understand this to enter into Christ's glory. So, so how is this glory felt? It's felt through mercy, the mercy that comes from the cross. Um, the, by his wounds, we are healed, Isaiah 53, 5 says. By Christ's shedding of his blood, giving of his life, we are saved. And we say glory, the, the great doxology, after the priest has confected the Eucharist, he holds it up on high and says glory to the... Uh, the, the words are in my head somewhere. Um, Through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all, all glory and honor is yours, Almighty Father, forever and ever. This proclamation of God's glory is us singing to the world in the Eucharist of God's saving act. Okay, all right, yeah. How do we live this? St. Francis was pondering this. 
And he wanted to enter in more fully to this. He would cry, he would be praying, and he would yell out, Love is not loved! Love is not loved! Can you imagine praying in the seminary, there in the chapel, and somebody just stands up and puts their hands up and says, Love is not loved! Maybe you can picture Brother Malachi doing exactly that. <laughs> Maybe. Um, he's entirely capable of that, actually, by the way. Um, but this conviction Im Im impelled him to pray. And that is where he received the vision and received the stigmata. Hmm. There's something about glory and being pierced. I don't know if it's ever happened to you when you, when you look at some, something beautiful, brothers, and it touches your heart in a deeper way. You're just looking at this beautiful work of art or this, this beautiful sun to the Grand Canyon. I don't know, this beautiful church. I remember the first time I went to, to St. Peter's in Rome and walking in for the very first time and just being awestruck. And I found a little corner and I just contemplated how many poor peasants who walked for miles came to this very spot and, and wept with joy. Uh, that was, and I began to weep. You know, it might be my melancholic side. You know, it's just so beautiful. God's glory comes with some sort of piercing, some sort of um, deep inner pull. St. Francis was so convinced of God's love for his people that he went to the Pope and he asked, you know, can we have a, can we have a day when people come to Assisi, everybody's forgiven for their sins. The, and it so began the, the August 2nd um, plenary indulgence for the Feast of Our Lady of the Angels. And it was so audacious at the time. Now you can get a plenary indulgence for saying the rosary and, and the Blessed Sacrament with the three conditions, of course. Prayers for the Pope, pray the Apostles' Creed, and be completely detached from venial sin. Yeah, let me know how that one's going. Yeah. <laughs> Side note, when I was on the Camino, it, I finally, I think I understood it. When you're on the Camino, you are detached from sin because you don't got time for anything else. You don't got time to sin. You don't want to have a second change of clothes because you're just trying to get to your next stop. You're not thinking of sinning. And like, that's the beauty of those walking pilgrimages. You become detached from venial sin so the plenary indulgence can really stick. I'm going to go next year if any of you guys want to come with me. Um, but anyway, the plenary indulgence. St. Francis boldly asked God for mercy through the Pope. And I don't know about you, but I, I just would not presume, in my mind it's presume, to ask for so, many, so much, so many favors. And I don't know if it's my upbringing or, or, or what, I would be like, oh, no, 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 don't worry about me. 
Oh, no, 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 no. Wow, you know, like, wow, I, I wouldn't even imagine asking that. But St. Francis, pierced St. Francis, went to the Pope and said, we need a day where everyone can be forgiven if they come here. This is the glory of God. In modern times, the Divine Mercy uh, Chaplet, I remember when I first heard about the Novena of the Divine Mercy from Good Friday to, to Divine Mercy Sunday. I was still very much a pagan, very much rooted in the world, not going to church. Well, maybe I went to church, but not really devout. And I remember my mother telling me about this. And I said, all I got to do is pray that short prayer for a couple days and all my sins are forgiven. I was a pagan, but I was no fool. All right. All right, let's do this. Not the right way to enter into a novena. I was just kind of like, okay, clean slate, and then begin to sin again. That was my mentality. Thank you, Lord, for being patient with me. But this, this, this um, reckless love, this irresponsible mercy is God's glory. It's his glory. We will be ministers, if not already, of his mercy. Brothers, be lavish in giving his mercy. Be lavish in forgiveness. Because his glory is also seen in you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 and on. Well, well let's back up. When Moses in, in, in Exodus chapter 33 said, show me your glory, God showed himself to Moses, and the transformation in Moses was immediate, and it made people feel uncomfortable. Uh, his, his face started to glow. He was almost like, you know, like those glow-in-the-dark rosaries. You know, you, you give them some sunlight, and then in the dark, they start glowing. Um, I always liked those rosaries. You know, I put one up. It's like, okay, God is still there. Afraid of the dark. You know. His face was glowing, and it made people uncomfortable. Can you imagine what it would look like if, if Father Saldana was to come in from celebrating masses all over the tri-state area, and his, and his face would be pronouncedly brighter? We'd be, whoa, whoa, what happened to you? We would be shocked. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be normal. Moses came down from the mountain and the people were scared. And so he veiled his face, which in my opinion is even creepier. There's this guy walking around with this like, whoa, you know, like, is that some sort of like horror film or something like that? That would creep me out, you know? Like if you explain to me like, oh, he just saw God, you know, that's why his face is glowing. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> but no, he veiled his face. But we are living, brothers, in the new covenant. And so, as St. Paul says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. 
not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not see the end of the fading splendor, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is this taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. But when a man turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. There's some translations, this is the uh, RSV. Some translations say, we behold the glory of God as in a mirror. Now that is hard for me. What do we see when we look into a mirror? Our own face. Brothers, what the apostle is saying is that we are meant to see the glory of God right here. If you're anything like me, it's much easier to blame yourself, to doubt yourself, to think less of yourself, of myself. That's me. Maybe you guys are much more integrated than I am. I hope so. I hope so. But that's hard for me to think that God's glory is going to shine through me. There's something in me that's just, it, I get stuck. But it does not stop me from believing that it's possible. Brothers, it happens when a priest celebrates Mass and he elevates the chalice, oftentimes he can see his own reflection in that chalice. And sometimes I'll be like, oh my gosh, that's what I look like, mercy. And we focus, focus on the mass. But God's glory, brothers, is God shining in you. Yes, and he knows you. Yes, he knows you, and he chooses you to shine his glory nonetheless. The problem with this glory is that we kind of only see it in spurts, in little like flashes. And we're like the apostles who go up to Mount Tabor and see Jesus transfigured. And they say, let us build three tents. But not on this side of heaven, brothers, can we build those tents. We have to descend down the mountain. And what did they find when they got down the, uh, the mountain? Somebody who was possessed. Man, it never fails. You see something incredible. You're just like, ah, even Lord deliver us. But I bet you <laughs> someone here coming out of this retreat is going to go back and then there's going to be some situation that's going to want to steal your peace. It's probably. 
probably gonna happen to me. Have faith. For the glory of the Lord is shining even there. The glory of God wants to shine even there. The The definition that I would give us of glory, this is my definition, is the beauty that comes when we unite our pain to the cross. The beauty that comes when I unite my pain to the cross is glory. The church fathers, especially St. Bonaventure, saw the cross when um, in Meribah, when Moses struck the rock and, and water came forth. Um, in Numbers, it says that the water was bitter to drink. I don't know if you've ever drank bitter water, but it, it, it makes you sick. Do I need to go into details? Okay, it makes you sick. It gives you a bad stomach ache. And what Moses did is he got a branch from the tree, broke it off, threw it in the water, and it made the water sweet. St. Bonaventure, along with some other church fathers, saw the cross prefigured in that branch. There are so many bitternesses in our, in our world in our own lives. Difficulties that seem insurmountable and unconquerable bring the cross into those things so that it may be transformed into glory and then sweet. I don't know if you struggle with uh, some of the saints sometimes who seem so holy. There's this one saint, Franciscan, I struggle with. Saint Maximilian Colby. Who is this guy? He's like Superman. First, did he ever sleep at all? I mean, did, did, how many rosaries did he pray? I can't even like, and then he quotes himself by saying, I long to be in heaven, but my only sadness in heaven is that I will have no pain to offer up to God. Like what? I'm looking forward to that. I'm just like, yeah, make it stop. And you're just sad about it? Whoa. But this mentality is a mentality that's, that's, it's a man bent on glorifying God at every moment. Pray. Pray that your heart may have that same inclination. Pray that we may strive to bring the glory of God by everything that we do. And, and then you will see how even the simple things become great. How even the, the, the great difficulties, the great trials, perhaps even the most horrible things can become glorified. Um... I mentioned a couple talks ago uh, Dostoevsky and his masterpiece, uh, The Brothers Karamazov, 
really changed the way I, I, I see people, the way I look at people. And the, the brothers Karamazov, they have a, uh, an aspirant to the monastery, you have an atheist, and you have a, a sensualist, a, a, a virile, he-man, womanizer brother. And these are the brothers Karamazov. And through the disintegration, through the murder of their father and the unrolling of who did it and who is supposed to get the inheritance and all the, the drama that comes from there, it looks like this family is impossibly flawed, irreparably flawed, so broken. And the genius of Dostoevsky is that he shows how God can be glorified even through that. Perhaps I'm being too bold by what I'm about to say. The masterpiece of God <coughs> stands when you peer into a mirror and his glory is that despite my brokenness and weakness despite my weaknesses and self-doubts despite my failures and and pettiness he glorifies himself, even in me. Ordination is going up the mountain and saying, show me your glory. Moses? Who do you think you are? The devil's advocate could have easily said. You? Weak. Pathetic. You didn't even follow your own law. I would say Mosaic law. You didn't even follow your own, your first kid, you didn't even circumcise him. What kind of, what kind of Jew are you? Who do you think you are leading the people out of slavery, you, a murderer. Moses lost his temper so many times. It really gives me consolation. <laughs> he struck the rock instead of calling out the rock and God got mad at him. I mean, like, I can barely handle it when people get mad at me. I can't even imagine God. And still, he went up the mountain and with this holy boldness said, show me your glory. Who do you think you are, Moses? You don't deserve to ask that question. Brothers, God's glory is never about merit. It's not about who deserves it. It's about who he is choosing to bestow it.
So, brothers. Let us bestow this glory. Let us be lavish with showing God's mercy as he has shown great mercy to us. Let us never tire of being the ministers of this reconciliation because he is glorifying himself through that, through us. Let us ponder his glory from glory to glory as if in a mirror. Now with unveiled faces. Brothers, say with Jesus at Gethsemane, glorify your name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and in the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, St. Francis and St. Clair, Holy Patriarch Moses, pray for us. 